He didn't tell me he was going to replace the fence. So yesterday we let the dogs out and they ran out and they were gone. So we had to go chase them, bring them back. And, and so, uh, so the dogs didn't get to stay out as long as normal, okay? So they didn't get to take care of, you know, what normal dogs take care of. You understand where I'm going. And so when I opened the door, it was like a wave of, of olfactory just and I look and there's a big old and I thought I don't have time for this and I couldn't even get near it you know and you're trying to you know and uh, I mean <laughs> I know y'all don't want to hear this but it, it, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life and, uh, and I couldn't even you know you couldn't you couldn't get a rag and scrub it. You had to get a shovel and just pick it up and carry it, you know, and, uh, and, I, and, and all I could think of was, I don't have time for this. And, uh, and I was not happy. I'm going to be honest with you. I was not happy. I was, I was irritated. I was irritable. I was grumpy. I was upset. I was mad. My wife was trying to talk to me. I'm pretty sure I owe her an apology wherever she's at. All right. <laughs> Did you see that? I was like, don't make me say it in front of everybody, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and then the Lord said, have you forgotten what you're preaching about today? <sighs> I hate it when he does that. Peace. And losing your peace. You ever just really lost it? Like just really lost it with somebody? There's two of us, Ray and I. Thank you, Ray, for your honesty, okay? I mean, just really lost it with somebody. They did something, you just lost it. I, there have been times I have lost it so bad that, that, my, that I, I can't figure out the right words to say. And I'm like, just lose it. You know, have you ever just, just and then when you're done, you feel so bad. Because you've lost it, and you've said things you shouldn't have said. And, and, and I always remember Jesus hanging on the cross, and, and what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and Jesus said, not that, that's the peace that I have. But then he says, my peace, I leave you. So that same kind of peace, he leaves us. And so that's possible for me, that when the dog does what the dog's going to do, or when somebody, you know, cuts me off, or whatever it is that, that has been done to irritate me, the Bible has said that I have the Holy Spirit that allows me to have the same kind of peace that Jesus said, whenever he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's tough. What do you do when you lose it? What do you do when you lose it, especially if you lose it with somebody you love? And then later you think, oh, man, I've got to go back and apologize what do you do? So this morning, I want to talk to you about how do you find that peace? God has left it for us. It's there, but we got to pick it up. We got to take it. We got to make it ours, and we got to live by it. Amen? Amen? Uh, a good place, if, if, uh, if you ever want to see people lose it, go to the golf course. <laughs> go to the golf course, because people, you know, things happen on the golf course. What happens on the golf course stays on the golf course, you know. You lose it. Out in traffic, people lose it, right? Out in traffic. At home, alone, where nobody can see you, because you know that you, you just spew all kinds of nasty stuff. Uh, it's not good. It's not good. You know, I think about it, When did Jesus win the battle on the cross? I, I, I think he won the battle when he said, Father, forgive them, 
All the enemy had to do is get him to sin. All the enemy had to do is get him to, to be bitter, to be angry, to say something nasty, to, to be unforgiving. That's all the enemy had to do. Because once he sinned, then his, his death wouldn't mean nothing for us. His death would have been for his own sin. And, and I think when, when he stated that, and the scripture says that he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are tempted. And I think that whenever he's looking at the very people he came to save, and they are yelling, crucify, crucify. And he's sitting there looking at his torturers, and, and, and he would have been tempted. And what is going on? And he made a decision. I'm not going to react in my temptation, but I'm going to react in the holiness of the Lord. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's when he won the battle, I believe. Amen. I want to talk to you today about four people in the scripture that had the, the, the peace of God. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of y'all heard of these, these folks? All right. So I want to talk about that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to start reading. And so Israel has been living away from the Lord. They have been sinning. They have been living all kinds of revelry, worshiping the wrong gods. And whenever they would do that, the protection of God would be removed, and another nation would come in and take them. And that's what's happened here. And this nation, Babylon, took a bunch of slaves back. So in the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure the house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect. I'm looking in the mirror right there. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. Now I just wonder... Is that what they want to do? These are the nobility. These are the ones that were in charge. These were the princes. These were the, the elite. And now another nation has come in and said, now not only are we going to overtake you, but we're going to make slaves out of all of you. And you that were the best of the best, you're going to be slaves to the king, the very one that went in and destroyed your nation. And I'm just wondering, did they really want to do this? Is this something they were happy about? I don't, I don't think it was something they wanted to do. Nobody wants to go in and be a slave to the one that just destroyed their family and their nation and everything else. And, and so that's what's happening. They, they're going to take them in, and they're going to serve the king. It says there, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Everybody say king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they would enter into the king's service. Among these were some of, from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Y'all give me a hand for those names right there. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any of the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The nation had been destroyed. And now they were going to be slaves. What does it matter now? There could have been a mindset, we're already defeated. You see, the reason they refused the food is because it came from the king's table. The king, before he would offer up any food in this culture, would have offered some to idols, to other gods. And the Bible very clearly in the Old Testament says, don't eat food that's been sacrificed to idols. And so they said, we're not going to have any of that food. And so they're obeying about something so small, a tiny little thing, what they eat. And you would think, well, that was a big deal to them, half the Old Testament about what you eat. Yeah, but they just got defeated. They got annihilated. They got wiped out. And so now here they are, slaves. What does it matter? Have you you ever come to the place in your life where, where you're in a situation that is so frustrating, so bad, so empty, everything goes wrong, and you think to yourself, what does it matter now? What does it matter? I say what I want to you now. You done done all that you can do. I'm just going to let my tongue go. You already cheated on me. You left me. You divorced me. You did this. You did that. I, I, what does it matter now? You want me to act like a Christian now? No. I'm going to give you what I want to give you right now, the way I want to do it, and you're going to sit there and take it. It's easy when everything's going bad and Nobody else is acting the way they should. And everybody calls themselves a Christian. People say they love you, and they're saying things and doing things they shouldn't be doing. And, and what do you do when everything, it, it just feels like everything's falling apart? Anyone ever been in that place? Amen? And, and, and how do you handle it? How do you respond? How do you hold your peace? So many of us, we just let it fly. How do you hold your peace? And, and so here, if you're, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to see that this is your, your first point. Peace is born in simple obedience. Simple obedience. What did Daniel do? He said, we're not going to eat the food. He could have said, it doesn't matter now. You know, you're having a fight with somebody, your spouse or a kid, and, and they're yelling and screaming. You think, well, if they're yelling and screaming, I'm going to yell and scream. I can't tell you how many times I've been in counseling, and, 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 and somebody says, well, you're never nice to me. Well, you're never nice to me. Well, you're never nice. I said, y'all just be nice to me. Quit yelling. (laughs) It starts in simple obedience. You will never have peace if you don't know how to obey in the little things. Because peace comes from knowing that God is faithful when I obey. If I don't ever obey, I never find God's work. If I don't learn how to forgive those that, that have attacked me, I don't see God's ability to give me the peace to forgive. I gotta make a choice, I gotta obey. A lot of times we think, well, these little things don't matter. They do matter. If you don't obey in the little things, you won't obey in the big things. So then when you get yourself in trouble, what does the devil do? Well, you did this, and you did that, and you did this. And then you start thinking, well, I hadn't handled myself right. I didn't talk the way I should have. I didn't respond the way I should have. And now I don't have confidence that God is with me because I hadn't been with him. 
You see, peace starts with obedience. I have to obey, and when I obey, then when the attacks come, I can say, I know that I'm right with God. I know that I have been doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and when I messed up, I repented, I got myself straight. I know that I know that I know that I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be. And when you're comfortable and, and confident that you're where you need to be, there's peace, right? We lose peace whenever we think, well, I hadn't been with God. I hadn't, I hadn't been faithful to him. I hadn't been serving him. I hadn't been right with him. Everything starts with simple obedience. To steal your peace, the first thing the devil's got to do is get you to start disobeying, doing something, doing something. Amen? I'm going to ask y'all something. I want y'all to be honest because we got cameras watching. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and you said to yourself, I'm going to hold my tongue. And you held it until you turned around and mumbled something as you walked away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, when you mumbled something away, you just took all the anger with you. You didn't take peace with you. You took anger with you. Why? Because you disobeyed. Because the Bible says, let nothing out of your mouth except what is good for building others up. Y'all with me? You see, as soon as I disobey, then I'm taking that emotion with me instead of saying, uh, I'm going to behave the way God called me to behave. And then when I walk away, I can say, well, at least I know God's with me. He's helping me. And so that obedience is important. And when I don't obey, then then I carry that with me. And and so what happens when Daniel obeys, God says, here's what I'm going to do. When you obey with your food, I'm going to anoint you with wisdom and with power, and you're going to interpret dreams and everything. And and so when, when God's favor is on you, this is the next point, God's favor moves us from simple obedience to eternal purpose. You cannot have peace unless you are in a mindset of eternal purpose. Because what, what does anything matter if you lose your soul? There's something that always happens when somebody will, will call and say, you know, Pastor, I'm having a test. They think it's cancer. They think it's this. They think it's that. You know, why, why is God letting this happen? And a lot of times it's just to, for us just to get us to open our eyes and see everything that I worry about and everything I get mad about and everything that irritates me really isn't that important. In the end, this life ends. And what really matters is the love I have for people, the love they have for me, and the love I have for God and that he has for me. Amen? See, if you don't, if you don't live your life that way thinking, what's most important? What's most important to me, that, that, that I chase down the guy who cut me off on 410? Y'all should do this, because y'all do it, too. I'll do it, too. If, by the way, if I've ever chased you down, you know. <laughs> I got to have an eternal purpose. Eternity is more important than am I going to be late? How many times we get in a fight with our, our spouse or somebody because we're running late? Who cares if you're late? You understand what I'm saying? We say things. Eternity is more important than money. You're not going to take it with you. You spend it the wrong way. You make a mistake. You bounce a check. Bills don't get paid. 
And I'm not saying don't pay your bills, but what I'm saying is your bill, whatever it is, is not more important than the love you have with your spouse, the love you have with your friends, the love you have with God. It's eternal purpose. What, what, what is my purpose? When something happens, the way I respond is contagious. It affects other people. And if I respond negatively, then I'm, I'm helping people move away from God, not helping them move toward God. And when I find myself in front of God, the judge, and, and I got to answer for every careless word that came out of my mouth, the Bible says, I don't want to have to answer for what I did over something that means nothing. Can you imagine how silly we're going to feel in heaven over all the stuff we got upset about? And God's going to say, you were so upset. You're worried about money. Look at that, all of heaven, golden streets. You see what I'm saying? An eternal purpose. But where does that start? I got to obey. Because if I'm not living in obedience to the Lord, then I'm living in obedience to my desire. If I'm living in obedience to my desire, then my goals every day are different. I want what I want. And if I want what I want and that's all I'm focused on, then that's the most important thing. I got to get my mind on straight and say, it's really not about today. It's about eternity. It's really not about if I get what I want right now, it's am I going to help people into heaven? Am I going to be right when I got to go? You understand? Nothing is more important than that. That's what it's all about. Amen? Your kid does something. I was so mad at my dog today, and I don't know if dogs go to heaven, but I'm pretty sure I didn't help her get there this morning. Let me read this. Daniel chapter 2 now. So here, it, we're, we're, we're moving on. The king replied, the king's had a dream now, and I'm kind of picking up in the middle. The king's had a dream, and he wants somebody to interpret the dream. So the king replied to the astrologers, this, this is not Daniel or them, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, not just interpret my dream, but I want you to walk in here and tell me what my dream was, then interpret it. If you don't do that, I will have you cut into pieces and your house turned into piles of rubble. Talk about pressure right but if you tell me the dream and explain it you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor so tell me the dream and interpret it once more they replied let the king tell his servants the dreams and we will interpret it then the king answered i'm certain you're just trying to gain time you're stalling because you realize that this is what i have firmly decided if you do not tell me the dream there is just one penalty for you you have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answer the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king is asking. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. And when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put the, to death the wise men of Babylon, Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why? Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king. He said, let me try. Let me try. If it had been me, I'd have run and hide. Here's your next point. Peace thrives when you're operating in your eternal purpose. See, when I live for myself, why would God give me peace? If your children are doing what's going to hurt them, 
why would you bless them? There's got to be some discipline. Amen? And so why would God give you peace when you're not even concerned about your eternal purpose? You don't even care about heaven. You don't even care about helping other people get to heaven. You don't care about people being healed. You don't care about marriages being reconciled. You don't care about people being molested and raped. You don't care about people that are struggling and hurt. You don't care about, all I want to do is go to work and make money and, and go up in the ladder of success. That's all I care about. Why would God give you peace in that? Because in the end, Solomon said, you're still going to die. And all the money you made is going to be left to somebody else who's going to mismanage it anyway. Right? So what are you worried about it for? You see, if I'm not wrapped up in my eternal... Now, when I'm wrapped up in my eternal purpose, this is what God has called... I don't care if you're a milkman, if you're a postman. No matter what you do, you have a purpose from God to help people find God, to be healed in their inner spirit, and to end up in heaven one day. Amen? That's, that's our job. That's what we do. Wherever you're at, wherever you go, that's what we're supposed to do. If I'm not totally into that why would god give me peace in my problems all that would do is help me stay in my selfishness right but whenever i'm in it and when i'm doing what god has called me to do the bible says that every promise of god is yes and amen everybody say that yes and amen every promise in the bible yes and amen right can i get some amens for that Yes and amen. Now, here's what we forget to say. is yes and amen in Christ. If you're not in Christ, if you're not living in the mission that he's called you to live, don't expect the promises to be yes and amen. God will still bless you in some way, but you're not going to enjoy everything that God has for you because you're not in Christ. All the promises are yes and amen in him. You want to be selfish and then pray for peace? You want to be greedy and then pray for peace? You want to lash out at somebody, don't want to apologize, but pray for peace? You're not in him. My Bible says that he has given me his peace, but I've got to be in him. Amen? And what am I trying to say today? We pray for peace so much, so often, whenever we're just a mess. But we don't understand peace comes through obedience. When I'm living according to the word of God, then I have confidence that God is with me and that he will help me. When I'm not living in accordance with the scripture, then I am off on my own little selfish thing and and I have forgotten all about God and why would God bless me when I'm running from him? Y'all with me this morning? Our peace stirs up the enemy's wrath. Ain't no doubt about that. They attacked Daniel. They attacked Meshach, uh, Shadrach, and Abednego. And they made a thing, you gotta, you got to worship a statue or you got to worship the king. you got to do something. you got to only pray to the king. you got to worship a statue. So whenever you start being at peace, the, the Bible says that you get a peace that transcends understanding. Right? In other words, it doesn't make sense to anybody. The Bible says that God's people are a peculiar people. Strange. Look around you. Strange people. Peculiar people. Whenever you're hanging on a cross and you say, Father, forgive you, forgive them, it's weird. Whenever everybody's attacking you and you're just loving them and forgiving them, it's strange. People don't know what to do with that. 
But that's exactly what the scripture says, that he will give you his peace. And the enemy will be all stirred up. Why? Because as long as you've got peace, you're showing people the other side of God, the other side of heaven. Amen? Everything is a mess. Everything is falling apart. Everybody's upset. Everybody's yelling and screaming. And here you are. Lord, I'm just going to be calm. I'm not going to let anything out of my mouth except for what's good for building them up. And I'm going to love on them. And I'm going to be at peace. And, and, and the enemy is going to say, if he keeps acting like that, they're going to see God. Because that's how God is. God is saying, and no matter what you do, no matter how you act toward him, all the sins that you do, everything you say about God when you get mad, all of that stuff, he just stays calm. He says, I still love you. I'll be patient with you. In fact, he says, to show you how patient I am with you, I'm going to be patient with people that nobody would be patient with. The Bible says that even those that, that have lived such a life that they are destined for eternal hell, he said, I will be patient with them. I would not give them what they deserve right away because if I'm patient with them, how much more patient am I with you? So when I'm patient with people, I'm showing them God. You hear what I'm saying? And the devil, the last thing the devil wants is when everybody's a mess and everybody's throwing a riot and food fighting, you know, and all the stuff that we say, the devil's like, ooh, that's awesome. And so when you walk in there with the grace of God and you say, I'm going to hold my tongue I'm only going to say what is good for building others up. It's, it's like Stephen, and the, and the heavens open, and people see that there is a God, there is another way. I don't have to yell and scream. I don't have to say these things. I can do it God's way. Amen? Let me keep going here. Daniel chapter 3 now. Now, this is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they, they were told that they had to worship a statue. They refused, and so the, the punishment was to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, it is, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and of all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's peace. And they didn't even have the Holy Spirit the way we have the Holy Spirit. That's eternal aspect. If I die, I die. I know where I'm going. I don't have to attack you because God is with me. He'll take care of you. And what happened? They were in the fiery furnace, and, and three of them went in, and the king said, wait, wait, there's four of them in there, and one looks like the Son of God. And they went into the fire, and, and they walked around in the fire. This is what peace does. When you're in peace, you can be in the middle of everything, and you just God is with you. And if he's with you, then you don't have to get all upset. You don't have to let the emotions fly. You don't have, all you, but it starts with obedience. I will not serve any other God. I will serve my God, and when I serve my God, he's with me. That's all I need to know is God, if God is with me, who can be against me? Amen? That's all, if I am confident that he is with me, how can I be confident? Obey. 
If you're not obeying, it's hard to be confident. But we obey. And, and, and I love that because it says when they came out of the fire, they tied them all up, threw them in the fire. The fire burned up the ropes, and then they came out free. See, when you have peace in your life, the worst times of your life will only make you better. And it will set you free from those issues that you're all hung up about. Amen? You believe that this morning? You receive that? Just say amen. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's, uh, and then Daniel. Daniel. Whew, I'd like to have a camera in there. Lion's den. They threw him in a lion's den. I've never been in a lion's den. Now these lions were not fed on purpose so they could throw them in there and eat them up. I'm wondering how did Daniel feel? How did Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego feel? They had peace about them. They had to fight for it in their own mind, but they had peace. And so Daniel went in, and, and, and when he went in, uh, every, every, everything just was peaceful. Amen? Daniel chapter 6, it says, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Because the king got tricked into this. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I have been found innocent in his sight. Amen? (laughs) See, our peace is God's victory. Our peace is God's victory. God can do what he wants to do through us when we remain at peace. If you get all upset, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to maintain the unity, the bond of unity through the Spirit. If you're not united, if you don't stay calm, if you don't have peace, then you lose the Holy Spirit in that moment. And, and so here we have Daniel. He remains calm. And, and both Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they had peace, God came to them. They still had to go through what they went through, but God came to them. Amen? Do you, do you have an issue where you need God to come to you? You need God to show up? You need God to be there with you, to burn the ropes off, to keep the lies mouth, to keep the devil to shut up? Amen? All the things that people say and all the gossip and all the ways people attack you and say this and that. And God says, if you'll stay at peace, I'll keep everybody quiet. I'll shut their mouths. Amen? Our peace opens the door for God's presence. He will be with you in the fire. He'll be with you in the den. He'll be with you in trouble. My Bible says he is an ever-present help. Amen? An ever-present help. But I got to have this mindset of peace. How do I get my mind to move from stress, from fear, from worry, from anger, from bitterness to peace? Simple obedience. When you start obeying, it changes the way you think. Amen? Are you all with me? I'm going to finish up here. Now look at this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. 
At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Here's what I want you to see. When you maintain peace, it changes the outcome. Because when you get in that situation, all you can see is what it looks like is going to happen. And it looks like this is going to happen. It looks like that's going to happen. It looks like I'm going to lose my job. It looks like I'm not going to pay my rent. It looks like they're going to walk out. It looks like the marriage is falling apart. It looks like uh, the, the diagnosis is too bad. It looks like they're going to die. It looks like all this stuff. But when you have peace, God comes to you in the middle of your storm and changes the outcome. Amen? If I don't maintain my peace, I don't have God. If I don't have God, it's going to be exactly what it looks like. But if I got God with me, God says, I can change things whenever I want to. I can, I can move mountains. I can change hearts. I can do miracles. Whatever I want to do, I'll do. If I want to have compassion, I'll have compassion. If I want to, whatever he wants to do, he can do. But I've got to have him with me. How do I get him with me? Obedience. Simple obedience. Because then I know that I know that I know. Amen? Let me give you a couple of scriptures now. The, la- the last point I want to tell you is just, how, how the king changed and the whole nation changed. And uh, when we maintain peace, our peace changes the world one heart at a time. You want to fix your marriage? Stay calm when they don't. You want to redeem your, your rebellious teenagers? Love them with a quietness when they rebel. You want to get favor with your boss when he acts like a jerk? Just keep doing what you got to do. Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 32, 17. It's not on your screen, so you may want to write it down. But Isaiah 32, 17, it says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace. What is righteousness? It's obedience to the Lord because he is God and we're not. Amen? Here's another one, Psalm 85, 10. It says, Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. See, it sounds strange. Because what I'm saying to you is your peace in the storm tomorrow is based on your obedience to the Lord today. You see, you can't run and get peace in the moment. Peace begins the day before, the week before. And as you live in obedience to him, and as you, and you see what God does, because when I obey, God honors that, and he favors me, and, and he prepares me for my eternal purpose, and I begin to walk in that. And as I walk in that, I am confident that the Lord is with me, and as I am confident, I have peace. Amen? There, there is nobody that can have peace through a storm like those that have been through it before and watch God fix it. Amen? You, you can take couples that were on the verge of divorce, and the Lord helped them through it. Now they start to fight. They don't freak out because they've already been there. 
They've already said, we, we were here before. We were all upset. We thought everything was going to, the whole world was going to fall apart. But God changed the outcome. Amen? Somebody, everything happened. You think, oh, it, it's, it's horrible. I'm, I'm going into depression. And what, where's God? God's not even with God doesn't love me anymore. But when you've been through the valley before and you came out and the Lord helped you out, you had cancer before, but God healed you. Everything went wrong, but God fixed it. Everything looked horrible, but God changed out. When you've been through it before, then when it happens again, you say, I'm all right. God is with me. But if you're not serving him, you don't have that confidence. Amen. This morning, just bow your head with me for a minute. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, even today, there many of us struggling with peace and Lord where it begins is those little things the little thoughts we have the, the little thoughts of, of sarcasm the little things we let run through our mind of bitterness of jealousy of selfishness and because we're not obeying in the little things when the storm hits we don't have that confidence. We, we don't have you with us. We're, we're not sure. But Lord, even today, we can make everything right right now because your promise is that your mercy is new every morning. So no matter what yesterday has been or last week has been, today we can make things right. And so I pray, Lord, for anybody here that just has lost their peace. Lord, help them. Help them, Lord, to come back to you and say, Lord, let me start over. Give me mercy today. And set me free from this stress. Set me free from the fear. Set me free from my anger. Set me free from from my, my depression, my loss. This is what we pray today. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Just let your healing come right now, Lord. Right now. Everything's new, Lord. You said you will make all.